Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today's Coaching Coordinator podcast goes back into the archives to 2018 in a series that we did with Brian Kite called The Leadership Journey. Brian Kite and his father, Tim, were a big part of the Ohio State Buckeyes National Championship season in 2014, and they helped install the culture and the leadership systems that the Buckeyes used and continue to use under Coach Ryan Day. BK has moved on from Focus 3 since then and is working on some projects of his own. You can find him at dailydiscipline.com. I highly recommend signing up for his daily newsletter, something that I read every single morning. And in this episode, Brian and I talk about performing under pressure. So here's the episode from The Leadership Journey. Welcome to another episode of The Leadership Journey on the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. I am joined by our guest host, Brian Kite. BK, great to have you here today. Always great to be back. Season is moving along. And man, the high school football world and the college football world always gets interesting in the last quarter of the season, and this is no exception. Well, as, as we head deep into the season, there's a lot at stake for those teams remaining in the high school football world. And for the college football world, those guys are fighting for playoff spots. And it gets no more competitive than when you try to vie for one of four spots. So we've seen a lot of changes up and down. I expect that to continue here in the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think every year there's a belief that, you know, whether it's from a fanhood perspective of a particular team or you watch the season go forward, especially when you're dealing with in the high school ranks, 18 and younger and the college ranks in that 18 to 22 year old range, there are so many variables that happen at that age when you start putting eyeballs on people, when the opportunities start to shrink in terms of the number that you get in a particular given season. And then when the pressure cranks up, there's a whole lot of uncertainty that happens and it's why we like sports. It's why we watch. But if you're a coach, you're always watching and you're always in those moments where you, you just want the athletes to perform up to their ability. You can live with a season. You can live with a game or a play that doesn't work out. As long as you feel that everybody put the best they possibly had on the table. And that's why you're a competitor. You put the best possible on the table and it doesn't work out. You can live with that. But when the pressure gets on and you see people crack or you see them crumble or you see them shrink under that pressure, that's what really hurts your heart as a coach and as a parent. You never want to see that. And then obviously for ourselves, we want to perform under pressure as well. And as the season goes forward, sometimes we can feel like we carry the weight of the program on our shoulders and the pressure can get to us as coaches as well. So it's a timely topic and one that I hope uh, not only – coaches are listening to in season and can help you now, but I, I really hope this is an episode you can come back to throughout the off season and before even next season and pull some things out of this that help you launch into the next season as well. Absolutely. And if, if you want to avoid pressure, then you don't set any objective. You don't set any goals because essentially that's what it comes down to. When you set a goal, when you set a, an objective, when you raise the stakes there's pressure. And obviously, as you get closer and closer to that goal, you can start to feel that pressure a little bit more that you see it's within your sight. And some of that is kind of self-imposed pressure and expectations that you can find ways to take some of the heat off yourself and perform to your maximum ability. And I think that's the objective and what we want to talk here about today. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great starting point. And you're right that when we we do a lot of things to put more pressure on ourselves unnecessarily. But I think the, the first thing starting out is 
let's identify what is pressure. What creates pressure and what is it that pressure does to us so that we can identify how we want to actually execute and perform while we're under pressure. So the starting point is to understand what is pressure. Pressure is a, a combination of one or more things. Pressure is when, and, and I want you to think of pressure not just in the context of football here, but I want you to think of pressure, period. First, Keith, what does pressure physically do to you? What's it physically do just as a person? When I'm not talking about as, a, as an athlete or as a coach, but just anytime you feel pressure in your life, what does pressure do to you? And I don't mean maybe you personally, you can talk about yours, but more humans. What's it physically do to you? It starts to create maybe some anxiety. Okay. I don't know if the word fear is always correct, but in some people it does that. Maybe that yep. fear of failure. So yep. obviously the emotions internally start to work on you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then physically speaking, like, like with your physical body and in the, in the physiology, what does pressure do? What, what starts to happen? Maybe just particularly for you. It's maybe if it's fourth and one, or if you have to have a really important, difficult conversation, or if the window of time you have to get something done and a deadline is really approaching and you personally start to literally feel the pressure, which is a phrase we use, what physically do you feel? How, how does pressure manifest itself in you physiologically? For me, it's always a little bit of that adrenaline kick, I think. You know, that okay. kicks in a little bit. Maybe somewhat of a, a heightened sense of awareness of it's time to get this done. Everything been working for is on the line, et cetera. So I think it, in a lot of ways, it heightens your awareness of the situation. Yeah, and it, awareness is an interesting word because it heightens our awareness on some things. And because it heightens our awareness on, let's say, the thing that happens to have your attention, mm -hmm. what happens to your awareness on other things? Well, those things kind of take a backseat. They're not going to be go. in your vision. And pressure, does pressure tend to help you think better and more expansively and smarter? Or does pressure sometimes cause you to make faster decisions that can not always be the right ones? Well, that's an interesting question because I think as a football coach and especially as a guy who's a, a play caller, you start to tune yourself into making those decisions in a very quick manner and trying to take in all the information you can and, and really think about it in the course of a football game, probably somewhere in, in the five to eight second range, especially if you're running up tempo so you can get that play in. Um, so right. that takes a lot of practice, though. Um, that's built over the years. That's not something you go out and do tomorrow because if you don't do it the right way, you lose focus on some of those things. You know, you need to know the down and distance, the hash you're on, what personnel's on the field, what personnel do you have to get on the field, what has the defense been doing. I mean, all of that information into an eight second time frame, that's where you talk about pressure. But if you're not in tune with being able to operate in those types of situations, you probably won't have the focus you need to perform correctly. Right. So here's what, if we define pressure, here's, here's what pressure would come down to. And then this is a global definition of pressure is pressure is a combination of one or more things. One, it matters to you. Two, the outcome is unknown. And number three is you're going to be judged or there'll be consequences for the outcome you produce. Hit, hit those again. Pressure is whenever the outcome or whatever's happening matters to you when the outcome is unknown and when you feel like you're going to be judged or there will be consequences for the outcome that you produce. When you think about it, if the outcome and what's going on doesn't really matter to you, if you already know what's going to happen and you don't fear any judgment or consequences of what happens, there is no pressure, right? It, it, it take a simple thing. You ever go to the driving range and swing a driver and hit it? And maybe you hit some well, not some not so well, but your overall level of feeling on a driving range, no big deal, and you hit plenty of good shots. But then you get to the first tee box and the other three players are standing there behind you and they're all watching you swing the golf club. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you feel completely different than you did on the driving range. 
Absolutely. You sensation? Yeah, you, right. you don't have that bucket sitting at your feet full of balls that says, you got another chance if you mess this one up. That's right. And physically, you look what happens. We feel pressure, even though it's the exact same act, physically speaking. We feel pressure. Why? Well, it matters to you because everyone's watching you. The outcome is unknown. You only get one crack at trying to get that ball down the fairway. And then you feel like there's going to be some kind of judgment or consequence for it. And, you know, if you're just playing with buddies, the judgment is jokingly from your friends, but you don't want to look like an idiot. Or if you're playing in a more a scramble or something like that, there's consequences. You want to help your team. So you can go hit balls on a driving range and feel great. You get to the tee box, all of a sudden it matters to you. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. And you feel like there might be a little bit of judgment there. And all of a sudden the pressure kicks in and you physically don't swing the club the same way. Same thing for a quarterback, same thing for a coach. The reason pressure kicks in is because we care about it so much. We don't know what the outcome is going to be of the game or the series or the play. And when we feel like there's going to be consequences or judgment from our team, our friends, our coworkers, our spouse, our AD for what actually happens here. So being able to alleviate pressure doesn't mean that you have to care about it less or you have to guarantee an outcome or you have to remove anybody who might judge you from the outside. It's how to deal with things you care about deeply where you cannot know what the outcome is and how to properly file or properly organize the external voices or opinions that start to feel like judgment and consequences coming in. Because here's what pressure is going to do. Pressure does a few things to us. First and foremost, like there's some myths about pressure. You ever encounter people who say they perform better under pressure? Who say, once I get a little pressure on me, I'm, I'm better? You ever hear that from yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just not true. What pressure does, it's just not. I mean, just, let's, just, let's just be clear. What pressure does is it makes you a little less effective. And why? P pressure just makes you a little less effective. It doesn't mean that you've never performed incredibly well and kind of out of your mind under pressure. You probably have, but that was luck. That was chance. That was just the normal workings of life. Okay. As I said before, there's no such thing as, as somebody being clutch. There was just an action that was clutch. Does that make sense? Yep. Like, it's not a person who's clutch. It's an action that was clutch in that particular moment. Because what pressure does is pressure causes us to make bad decisions. It causes us to make errors in thinking. It causes us to rush to judgment. Our memory starts to fade. We get really forgetful. We start to make really irrational decisions. And we tend to want to rush things under pressure. Because when we feel that pressure and we feel that tension, we really want to hustle ourselves through it. Or pressure can cause us to shrink away from the moment. Pressure can cause us to back away because it's just so intense and we fear that judgment that we try to back away from everything. So for those reasons, pressure causes us to behave and perform a little less than what we want to do. So here's our goal for performing under pressure. This is what we want to do. Performing under pressure and being the best version of you, first and foremost, is not about being better than your norm when pressure is on. If you want to be elite under pressure, the best you can hope for is to be as good as you actually are when the pressure hits. Right? I want you to hear that. The best you can hope for is to be as good as you are under normal circumstances, but also under pressure. You're not going to be better than your norm when the pressure hits, you're going to be slightly less. The trick, not really a trick, the goal, I should say, is to be at your standard and not drop off. The reason that's so powerful is because most people, when that pressure is on, are going to make mistakes. They're going to press. They're going to get forgetful. They're going to get irrational. They're going to try too hard. They're going to tense up, and they will start to make the mistakes. If you can perform at your norm, then you can be great. And you just watch what happens in big games. And sports are a great microcosm of what we do under pressure is if you look at 
players in any sport, basketball and hockey and football and baseball, look at their stats in really big games and compare them to their normal stats over the course of their career, say like in the regular seasons. And what you'll see is most players in the really big games, their stats drop off. Now the best of the best, their stats don't drop off as far. But if you can go around and look, here's what you won't find. You're not going to go around and look at player stats and see that in all of the biggest games, their stats got better than their norm over time. I don't know if you've ever like, actually looked at that, but players' stats right. in gigantic games, they don't get better than their stats are when you look at them on the horizon of their whole careers. They actually are a little bit worse. Michael Jordan's shooting percentage in the last two minutes of games and in NBA Finals, it wasn't better than his shooting percentage over his career. In fact, it was worse. It wasn't as high as elsewhere. It was just that what Michael Jordan was able to do was he didn't have such a lower percentage shooting than most other people do. And so we think of Michael Jordan as this unbelievably clutch guy who seemed to make the final shot all the time. The reality is he missed a ton. He missed way more than he made. He just did it so much better than everybody else because he was much closer to his norm under pressure than a lot of other NBA basketball players. So that's the first key is let's train so that under pressure, we execute like we normally do, not try to think of, oh, do better than I normally do. And I think that's a really good starting point because I see a lot of people in sports and what they do is when the big game shows up or the big moment shows up somewhere in their head and somewhere in their emotions, they try to call upon skills and performance levels they don't actually have. And they think, oh, under pressure, today is going to be the day when I put it all together and I do it like I've never done it before and I rise above myself and I perform out of my mind and it's this incredible moment, partly because we probably like that story, also because when the stage is big and the lights are on and, and all the attention is on us, we want to do so well. You're going to hurt yourself in terms of your ability to perform. You're going to hurt your chances to perform well if you put yourself in a mental and emotional frame of today I'm going to outperform my best ever. The mental and emotional frame to start with is during this moment, whatever the pressure is, because it matters to me, because I don't know where this outcome is going to go, and because there will be consequences, I simply want to perform the way I'm capable of performing and to the level that I've trained myself to perform. Does the difference between those two mindsets make sense? And what's been your experience with that as a coach, yourself, and watching athletes under pressure? What's been your experience between those two mindsets? The thing I've been thinking about as you've talked about this is, I think as coaches, and some of the, the best coaches, I believe, try to create a situation in practice that replicates the pressure of the game. And I don't think you're going to get the same on a Tuesday with an empty stadium as you are when the lights are on on a Friday night. But I think when you try to create, raise the stakes, make it a competition, put something on the line, that's when you start to at least create some pressure that you're getting them to get used to essentially that environment that there's going to be pressure. There's obviously going to be more people in this stadium watching you. There's going to be an opponent across the field who is trying to achieve their goals too. So I think when you can create those kinds of things, you could create a practice that is high pressure that sometimes you're able to slow that game down in terms of those feelings and that pressure that are coming at your players. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great training environment to be able to do for creating pressure. So let's convert what we just said and what I just said and what you just said into an action and a tactic that coaches can put in place. If you want to recreate pressure moments that aren't on the game field, if you want to recreate pressure moments in your program that train your athletes how to handle things, here's what you need to put in place. You need to put in place three things. Whatever the pressure moment you're trying to create, number one, it has to matter to your players. 
if you want, by the way, if you want to train yourself, it's the same three, but let's just focus on the players. It has to matter to your players. It's not about creating a pressure moment that you think is a pressure moment. It's about what? Creating a pressure moment that who thinks is a pressure moment, that it matters to who? Players. Which goes back to connection. Find out what's important to your players. Put them in situations that matter to them. Number two is you have to make the outcome uncertain and unknown. I remember when I played at, at multiple different levels, you ever do drills as a coach or as a player, Keith, where you would run the drills and the coach would watch to see who ran through the line or not, and they would kind of do like a tally, and then based on however many tallies the coaches put up for people that didn't cross the line, they would make you run extra. You ever mm-hmm. do anything like yeah. that? Yep. Right. So when I played at a bunch of different levels, the thing that, and the coaches always did that, you know, when I was playing for, uh, you know, to train attention to detail and kind of try to put some pressure to go play well. But the problem was what happened, coaches would just give tallies for things just because. It was a known outcome. There was no way to do it in a way that the coaches weren't going to do tallies because they were going to make you run extra to try to give you hard things to deal with. And so while coaches are trying to create a moment of, hey, meet the standard and perform up to the standard with a little pressure on you, there was no pressure on it because the coaches were controlling the outcome and everybody on the team knew that no matter what actually happened, the coaches were going to do it anyway, right? They were going to send you back anyway just to, just to make it go a little harder. And so it defeated the entire purpose of the exercise on the team, not because the coaches didn't have good intentions, but because it didn't actually create real pressure. It was fake. The outcome was known. So if you want pressure, you have to make the outcome unknown and uncertain for the people who are performing. And then the third is there have to be real consequences and genuine some form of judgment or impact based on the actual outcome. So if you want to create pressure in practice, make it matter to the players, make the outcome uncertain, and make sure there are consequences that they value and or some kind of judgment, not personal in nature, but some kind of judgment that gets onto the players as a result of that. And then you put them in that moment and you train them to keep doing that. When that happens, they're going to go out and they're going to be able to handle moments that matter to them that are uncertain that there's going to be real consequences for in games, teaching them how to think, teaching them how to hit the right mark under pressure, teaching them how to make really effective decisions teaching them how to evaluate circumstances, teaching them how to remember what to do, teaching them how to maintain proper decision-making and teaching them how to be patient without rushing and know that, hey, if I want this outcome, I can either methodically work through it or I have to ramp up my intensity depending on what the situation is. So here's what performing under pressure comes down to in my mind. The ability to perform under pressure is the ability to maintain your discipline and your skill in awareness, attention, decision-making, and action. That's what performance under pressure is. I'm going to say it one more time. Performing under pressure is when you can maintain. Notice, it's not when you can get better at, but when you can maintain your level of discipline, which means you're in control, and maintain your skill, the proper execution of awareness, seeing your situation, attention, being able to focus on the right things, decision-making, being able to choose the right actions, and then action, the ability to actually do it at the level that you need to do it for that particular moment. That's what performing under pressure is. Under pressure, you're not going to get more discipline than you had before the pressure arrived. And under pressure, you're not going to get more skill and better execution than you did when the moment arrived, which means performing under pressure begins with training yourself before the pressure moments ever arrive. I think, I think it, it's worth pointing out. If you have not worked incredibly hard on your emotions before the big game, it is illogical at best it's irrational at worst to think that you're going to be great under pressure in a big game if you haven't put discipline and skill into your emotions before that situation shows up. 
And I watch games just like you do, Keith. And you see a lot of decisions get made in-game where you've got three hours collectively, but there's probably, what, in a three-hour game, in the quarterfinals, semifinals, of playoffs, there's, what, how many decisions are going to be made where with the game, you could whittle the game probably down into, what, five or six decisions over yep. the course of it? Yep. It's too late in those moments to try to get control of your emotions in ways that you have not worked on for the previous two years. You have to do the work now. You have to. Because when the pressure moment shows up, you're just going to have the discipline and skill that you have. And it's going to affect your awareness. It's going to affect your attention. It's going to affect your decision-making. It's going to affect your action. If you don't have the discipline and skill in that moment, there's nothing you can do in that moment to be better when the pressure hits. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think, what we try to do when we get out there and practice. We try to get those guys to experience those emotions. But I think, as coaches, we got to remember, we have to practice those things, too. And I think we can do those things. You know, I've talked about it before on the podcast, is creating those situations for your coaches, if you're a head coach, for example, setting up a situation where they don't know what the next call is going to be in practice, that they're going to have to make that snap decision in practice. And we talked about doing, for example, like a second and eight scrimmage, like make your first call, yeah. your next call might be a first down. It might be third down and four. It might be third down and 12. You're going to have to come up with decision and make the call there. And then obviously pressure is on the players too to execute and convert. That's a great point, Keith, because pressure, it doesn't always make us worse. Sometimes it just makes us slower, doesn't it? Right. So performing under pressure, it's not just about doing it well. It's also about being able to do it at the speed required in the moment. I mean, that's the thing that pressure does, right? When it really matters to you and the outcome is unknown and you feel like there's consequences, you know, we can rush into things and lose patience. And so if we were to be able to say, hey, give me five minutes to think about this, and you could depressurize, so to speak, yeah, we'd probably be able to make great decisions. But when you have 30 seconds, if you've ever competed in any way, shape, or form, you know this. You've got 15 seconds to make a play call, and all of a sudden, what happens? How many thought processes can go through your mind in 15 seconds on the sideline? Boy, probably not a whole lot. I mean, I would think. Uh... <laughs> no, but I mean, like, no, I'm, I mean, no, I mean, like, you ever had the, the thought of you get to a moment in the game and you know that maybe you've got two downs and the pressure starts to get on you. Maybe it's late in the game, and somehow in those 15 seconds, despite your best efforts, and you know you've got 20 seconds to make a call, you start thinking five plays or two possessions down the line, and then you envision the locker room and the loss and you envision, you know, the seniors who played their last game. You ever have that happen? And it happens in like a 15 second window between play calls. Has that ever happened to you? Honestly, I can't recall that, that happening. I mean, usually for me, I, I had a process for that, Brian. And, and actually some of my better play calling, I think was when I actually went up to the booth, when I became an offensive coordinator at the mm -hmm. college level. Okay. And I took the emotion of the sideline out of it. But for me, it was Knowing on yeah, my call sheet, well, I would look at, okay, let's say it's the start of a series. We're first and 10. We would have talked about that um, prior to the series about what kind of things we'd want to go to. But we had broken down our play call sheet beforehand. We had obviously talked about that through the course of the week, early in the week, et cetera, so we could practice those things. And a lot of this actually comes from like Brian Billick and Bill Walsh and the model they created to essentially take the game day pressure out of it. Make those calls, Bill Walsh always would say, make those calls in, in the calm and cool of the office rather than the pressure of game day, meaning that decide some of those things beforehand. So you know when you get to, for example, third and eight, here's my call sheet, here's my list of things I want to do, here's where I'm going next. But for me, it would be, okay, first down, I'm here. If this play has a, a good day, good gain, and we're on schedule, Here's my next call. If we get put behind, here's my call. If I go to a first down, here's my next first down. And I literally would be three ahead. And then, I mean, we would have to jump sometimes quick to, oh, shoot, we're in the red zone. Where's my red zone calls? Here we go. This was the first play I won in the red zone. So a lot of it was organized beforehand. We would adjust between series 
and always, I guess, have a plan beforehand. And having a plan for pressure is a solution as well. If I know this is where I'm going, this is what I need to do, it kind of takes the pressure away from it. It really does. And what you're talking about is anticipating, right? Right. It's about expecting the unexpected. If and when you can do that, you can actually think about E plus R equals O. If you can anticipate the events ahead of time, you can work out the responses in advance or you can mentally rehearse them. And I think that's something that we don't always like to do. I'm a a huge believer and a huge fan of – some people get really superstitious about this, which – I would caution people not to do. I'm a huge fan of work out in your head what happens if various things happen, including all of the worst things. Work them out in your head. Because the more you can do that, Keith, the better you're going to be when those things happen. Notice I'm not saying if they happen. Mm -hmm. I said when they happen, the better you're going to be. It's when we haven't thought about things beforehand and then they start to happen that we get afraid and we panic. But if you've thought about what's going to happen beforehand and you've worked out the response beforehand and you know that it's going to happen, you have much less fear of really bad stuff happening to you because you've already worked out the responses and you know what you're going to do when the really bad stuff happens, including the stuff that isn't really bad. You know, the stuff is good, getting to the red zone, getting a turnover, we score quick and get up 21, including those things. But also, what if you go down 21? Also, what if you lose by 30, <laughs> right? What if, what if this is a championship season in your mind before the season starts and you're eight games in and you're four and four? You have to anticipate those things for what you're going to do so that, one, you're not afraid of them. And then, two, when they actually happen, you're able to be more flexible You're able to be more adaptive in those moments, and it gives you a better sense of control over yourself and your team, no matter what actually happens to you. So when pressure hits, again, it it doesn't always make us worse. Now, we're not going to get better, but sometimes it just makes us slower. So being able to maintain discipline and skill in the moment is about being as good as you usually are in the moment and being able to execute it at the speed required for whatever the situation that you're in. So keep in mind, performing under pressure, being able to do it, and then in the world of football, right, be able to do it fast. And that's what you see with young players, right? They get into the game, and the game is going, one, a little faster than they wanted or than they thought, and they're a little bit nervous. They start to feel the pressure. A quarterback who feels pressure does one of two things, right? Either plays slower or tries to play way more than they're capable of and rushes everything and gets out of sync. So how do we do this? How do we, let's just kind of work through piece by piece. First, how do you keep proper awareness during pressure? How do you give awareness to the things that happen? And I like to think of it as two things. I like to think of it as micro and macro awareness. And there's two ways to do this. Macro awareness is this. Anytime you feel like this is the only chance I get, it's not going to help you. Anytime you start to feel like this is a singular opportunity, it's going to put you into a state that you're not going to perform the way you want. So on the macro, I really encourage people, think of it as one of your opportunities. Right? We all get opportunities a lot of times. When you start thinking of this is my one shot, it just really doesn't help. We press, we do all kinds of things. It might be your one shot for that particular thing, but what I'm saying is thinking of it that way isn't going to help you. So think of any situation that you're in as one of your chances. This is one of many opportunities that I have. On the micro, put your attention and your awareness on the immediate task in front of you, just on what it is that you're doing. If it's, I like to think in five minute increments. I really do. Anytime I'm doing something, I think of the next five minutes of my life, whether that was in a game or whether that was in my life or whether that's when I'm traveling, I think in five minute increments. So the macro is here's one chance, meaning what? 
if I don't perform well in this particular chance, what do I have after this? Other chances. Right. I get to go again. And that's hard for a high school football player who's a senior to think, because are you going to get more chances if you're in the playoffs and you're playing your playoff game? Does that work to say, hey, you know, this is my one chance. I get a lot of chances to win this football game. Uh, if I lose this one, I'll get more football games. No, you don't. But it, it helps the player to think this. It helps the player to think, this is one of many chances I have in my life. This is one of many chances in my life. Because why? What that can create in a player is that can create excitement. That can create, hey, this is fun. This is part of what I get to do. What you don't want the high school senior in the playoffs thinking is, I only get one chance at this. Don't screw this up. You don't want them thinking that. No. The second thing you don't want them thinking of when you get down to the micro, second thing you don't want them thinking of is all the things he has to do to win the football game. So it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance. Macro, I have lots of opportunities and chances to do great things. This is one of them, and it's a challenge, but it's a fun one. But I'm not overly worried about this. Number two is micro. I don't, don't worry about all the stuff I have to do. What's the next thing I have to do? We would always say, and a lot of teams said it, we teach a lot of our teams, baseball, what's the most important pitch? This pitch. In football, what's the most important play? This play. Not the last play, not the next play, but this play. And whether I won or lost the last play, the most important play is this one that's right here in front of me. If you can balance and hold those macro and micro focus, your ability to perform up to your standard is going to be much higher. Same thing for a coach. Does that, does that make sense? Any, any thoughts on that from you? Yeah, I think I, it's something I've, I've said for a long time in my career is to focus on the next play or this play, this pitch, this when I was coaching basketball, this time down the court, et cetera, trying to, to keep it focused on taking care of that part of the game. So in the bigger picture, you put those things together, the game starts to take care of itself. And I think the other thing too, to take some of that pressure off, because I think we hear all the time about guys, you know, just build one mistake builds into more. We always had an attitude of something bad would happen. It'd be so what next play and kind of that idea of it's gone. We got to flush it. Obviously we'll learn from it when we have the time, but we got to go on to the next play. We have to execute there and win that play. Right. And this is about converting that to a skill. This is how do you get it into a system and a skill where that discipline and skill has been trained into everybody beforehand so that when those moments start to come, one, you've anticipated them, you've already planned ahead and known that it was going to come. And then when those moments actually get there or they look like they're showing up, players click immediately into the discipline and the skill. They feel a sense of control in that moment and they know what proper execution is in that moment for handling the pressure situation. It's something we can talk about, but if you don't train it, players aren't going to do it and you're not going to do it as a coach when it shows up. That's what I'm really interested in is the training piece of that. And going a step further, going into that, this is the value going back to the system of E plus R equals O and the R factor. This is the value. E plus R equals O and dealing with pressure is it detaches you from the events and the outcome and it focuses you on the response. People don't always remember the event, Keith, but they are going to remember your response. That's what they're going to remember. They're going to remember how you responded, the quality of the response. They're going to remember the, the level of discipline and control of that response. E plus R equals O helps. And this is why I work so hard. You don't control the event. You don't control the outcome. In a pressure moment, any energy spent trying to control the event, worry about the event, think about the event and how big or bad or important it is, or look at the outcome and trying to control it or engineer it or steer it, it won't work. The best chance you have under pressure is to engage in the best response you are capable of. The best response you're capable of requires your full and undivided attention. So when you're in those moments, what I advise is don't second guess yourself. You know, that, that's what I mean by engineering an outcome is 
players will or coaches sometimes will start to engage in a certain response and then the, the pressure can cause them to second guess themselves for fear of, and that's why we get overly attached to the outcome when it's unknown, is we start to second guess the, the, the course of action that we're taking. Here's what to do instead with that response. Act, assess, adjust. Go all in on the response, assess what direction it's going and how it's working, make any adjustments that are necessary. But if you second guess and you are hesitating because you're trying not to make mistakes, which is what people do under pressure, your chance of performing up to your standard is going to be really low. So act, assess, adjust. Act, assess, adjust. That's how you move through a pressure situation by putting yourself in a position to do good things, check whether they're taking you in the right direction because you're going 100%, and then make any micro adjustments that are possible without overly attaching to that outcome. That's a huge piece of that. In the midst of that, we've talked about in previous episodes, we've talked about the mindset and the emotions. And when I talk about act, assess, adjust, and, and managing your awareness, there's two ways that you can see pressure. And what pressure tends to do is pressure tends to trigger more default behavior. It tends to trigger impulse. It tends to trigger some resistance or emotions that lack discipline and, and lack skill. And there's two different ways to look at this. And, and we'll compare these with the mindset cycle we've talked about before. The first is you can see things happening in pressure situations as a threat, right? Maybe you're ahead by four and your quarterback throws an interception deep into the red zone. And now your defense has three minutes left and the other team has the ball on the plus 25. One way is you can see that as a threat, which makes you think I'm in a dangerous situation, which makes you feel fear. You're afraid of giving up a score and going down by 11, which causes action to be impulsive and or rushed and perform under the norm that we want. Ideally, you don't want to see it as a threat and danger and fear that triggers action that isn't going to help you. What you want is in that moment, and I know this sounds hard, but this is what you want under pressure. You want to see that situation as a challenge which makes you think that it's an opportunity and sometimes it can even be fun, which makes you feel excited to face that opportunity, which causes you to act with confidence. Now understand what I'm, what I'm saying. How many teams and players and coaches are equipped in the final three minutes of a game when you're up by four or you're down by four, either one, when you're up or down by four and you throw an interception you're backed up against your own goal line, and now the other team has the ball in the 25 going in with only three minutes left. How many defenses are running onto the field, super excited, having a lot of fun, and feeling like, what an opportunity this is? How many teams do that? <laughs> Few and far between. Few and far between. How many coaches are fired up going, yeah, what an opportunity to, to be a great coach and perform really well? How many coaches are feeling that in that moment? Not many. Not many. That's the point. That's the point. This is why we play the game, guys. That's what I'm sitting here, right, in the comfort of my office. That's what legends are made of. Now, you don't want to be thinking legends are made of in that moment, but let's step out of this. That is the point of football is for those opportunities. That's the point of being a high school football coach is to be in that position to lead young men in those situations and to go face that challenge with that opportunity. Guys, we've got three minutes a four-point lead, and the team has the ball on the 25-yard line. This is what I've trained you for. It's what I've coached you for. It's, how, it's why I love you the way I do. It's why we've built the trust that we have. It's for us together in this moment to be able to face this challenge because we love this kind of competition. This is what we live for. And after all of this is over, whether we win or lose this game, which I can't control, whether we win or lose this game, what are we going to remember? We're going to remember what it felt like to face those challenges. We're going to remember how fun it was to line up next to each other and try to stop these guys from scoring. That's what we're going to remember. We're going to remember how we practiced it on Wednesdays. 
deep into the fall when it started getting cold and we had to turn the lights on. We're going to remember walking out on that field together when everybody else was feeling like, oh, no, and we walked out there with confidence, not because we knew what the outcome was going to be. We didn't. Not because we didn't care. We did. But because we knew if we wanted the outcome to be great, it was going to come from us being in the best position to do what we know we can do. For that to happen, you got to see it as a challenge. Think of it as an opportunity, ideally as something fun to do, that generates that energy and excitement that energizes the right confident action in the moment. That's when your players perform up to the standard they are capable of. That's when you coach up to the standard that you're capable of. And that, Keith, that's when you have what I call real optimism. That's when you have real optimism. And that is the expectation of success with preparation for disaster. Real optimism is the expectation of success while being prepared for disaster. Either way, you have a reason to feel capable of and ready to pursue and achieve the objective that you want. I am optimistic that this will work out, and I am prepared for it not to. It's combining a desire for the goal and then a vision that it's possible without being attached to accomplishing it. We're going to go out and we're going to line up and try to stop these guys. And we expect to stop them. But if we don't, I'm prepared for that too. Train that way. And you are going to be a rare team on the field. You're going to be a rare coach on the field. The problems show up when one of those two things of real optimism doesn't happen. One, you don't feel capable of actually accomplishing the objective You start to doubt the path to success, and you think, oh, there's really not that many paths to success here, and I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, and maybe we won't be able to. You doubt that pathway. And number two is you're afraid of all the negative consequences if it doesn't work out. That's where optimism fades. And ideally, put yourself and train yourself and your your players to to be realistic optimists. We're optimistic for it to work out. We're prepared for it not to. We expect success. We are, prefer- we are prepared for disaster. That, that's a confidence team. But it's hard, isn't it? That's a hard thing to do. I don't know. Maybe it's the hardest, I think. Absolutely. I think that when you think in terms of talent, talent compared to the ability to do something like this, creating real optimism, there's a lot more talent than there are the people who can do that that had practiced that skill. The great part about this, though, is it's something that every single team can work on. Regardless of what time of the season it is, they can start implementing those kinds of things right now and become better competitors, become better at what they do. And ultimately, I mean, this is, I think, what separates the elite from the average. I think absolutely it's what separates the elite from the average. And that's one of the things when I teach a workshop, when I'm live. And if you come down to the USA Football National Conference and you're in the general session with the keynote I'm delivering or in the breakout session, you will hear me say this to you directly. I will point to the 108010 scale. I will point to the top 10%. And I'll say I'm only interested in coaching and teaching and talking about disciplines and skills pursuing of elite. That's all I'm interested in. I'm not interested in how 90% of people do it. I'm interested in how the 10% of elite do it. Because there's going to be things you'll hear me say that'll sound really hard to do, unrealistic and uncommon. And I'll say, you're exactly right. You're absolutely right that that's uncommon. Not many people do it. But guess who does? The elite. So I know getting players to be super excited and happy and think that being down by four when the final two minutes of a game with the entire season on the line is fun. I know that doesn't sound particularly common and unrealistic. I'm not asking for realistic. I'm asking for what wins at an elite level. If you can make that happen and you train that way, you'll do it. I mean, if somebody would have asked Bob Lattister out of De La Salle, hey, is it realistic? Do you you remember what their, their winning streak was? It was something ridiculous. I don't know the exact number. Was it like 300 plus games? Yeah, yeah. 
So I was like, yo, is it realistic to win 300 plus games? No, it's not realistic. Not realistic at all. But guess what Bob Latticer and his staff trained for? That. That's what they trained for. They trained to actually do that right there. If they'd have asked, is it realistic or common beforehand, and then made an assessment based on that, they wouldn't have trained and practiced the way that they do. But they, they did. So that's what I look at when I think of how we train is I want to train up to the absolute highest possible standard. So I know we're winding down. Maybe if one, one, I want to just restate what is pressure and what is performing under pressure. Pressure is something that matters to you when it matters to you. The outcome is unknown. And when there's consequences for the outcome or judgment for it and the ability to perform under pressure is to be able to maintain your discipline that is, you're in control, maintain your skill, the proper execution at the speed required of awareness, attention, decision-making, and action. As always, that is important or more important for things away from football as it is for things in football. And equipping young men how to think that way about their life is important. And this skill is one that you want them taking into their relationships. You want them taking these skills into jobs. You want them taking these skills into the classroom. Look what happens to, to kids taking tests when, mm-hmm. when all of a sudden they know the answers and they have a test for 30 minutes and they can't remember anything, right? Because they, they're afraid of a bad score or getting the answer wrong. So unlock them. And when you unlock them, here's what it does. It gives you the confidence that there's an unknown future in front of you and you intend to shape it. That's what you want. You want yourself and you want your athletes thinking there's an unknown future in front of me and I intend to shape it. That is what gives you real optimism or what when we, in our virtual training, we call it being a positive realist. I am optimistic. This will work out. I am prepared for it not to either way. You're going to get the best effort and skill that I possibly have in the moments where everything counts the most. BK, great job on delivering, on performing under pressure today. Definitely a segment for everybody out there, whether those are guys who are moving on in the playoffs or guys who are getting ready for the 2018 season. I certainly appreciate you sharing that information. BK, real quick, share your social media so our listeners can connect with you. Connect with me on Instagram at T Brian Kite. That's K I G H T. Awesome, Brian. Well, next week we're going to be talking about accountability. Week 14 of 15 in this portion of the leadership journey, and, and we'll certainly share with our guests our plans for the future with this. But 14 of 15, really getting deep into the season here, and we're going to talk about accountability. We are everyone's favorite topic, but like. A lot of other things in the field, there's a lot about accountability that's been talked about, but also a lot that's been misunderstood. So want to provide some good skills and clear up some misconceptions in it. BK, as usual, it was great to spend time with you here. Thanks for being on the podcast again. Thanks, Keith.